0: If this is what you really want to do, don't make excuses for yourself. It is so easy to make excuses. You know, you're not born with a silver spoon. You don't have uh, connections. You live in Idaho. I I don't want to hear it.
1: You're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm AJ Meyer.
2: And I'm Trevor Algott. And coming up in episode 203, I sit down for the third and final part of my chat with award-winning actress and filmmaker Brandy Ford, in which she shares, step by step, how she took her idea for a story all the way through to an award-winning HBO film, how her entrepreneurial thrival job experiences supported her through all of that, and how, surprise, surprise, relationships made it all possible. That and so much more coming up in episode 203, so stay with us.
1: Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from VO2Gogo.com. What's that? Well, it's the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO training, four years in a row. Not one, not two, not three, four years in a row. Visit vo 2 slash start for a free getting started and voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO the number two gogo.com slash start.
2: So, hello, hello, hello. That's three hello. hellos. Hello, <laughs> <is> four, five, <laughs> six. How I you doing, now. dude? What's it, what it do? What'd it do? What'd it do? We were just recording a section and, and my home phone started ringing. <laughs> and AJ was like, is that, you have a landline? <laughs>
1: It was so strange it was was so strange everyone i I, I, there were jokes about time travel and
2: we were back in 1997 there for a second it was weird there
1: was there was a moment yes
2: there was a moment and then i unplugged that shiz and now we're Uh. back to 2015 (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh uh, no need to talk about the past what's your
1: no let's talk about the future as in later today where you have a meeting how about that segue
2: biatch Ooh, well done well done <laughs> yeah I've got a, a meeting today for a, a PSA this is the first uh audition I've I've gotten from my commercial agent and like uh oh, I can't even remember I forgot about about the commercial world, man. I really did. It's never really held a lot of um, intrigue for me anyway. Um, but it's it was interesting to get a, an audition from LA, you know, through LA casting again from my commercial agent. This is a, it's a PSA. It's for like an affable kind of guy. I don't think there's any sides or anything to prepare. Someone's going to go in and do that. I I'm so laid back about this whole journey. At this point in my life, I'm just like, "Yeah, cool. I'm just like enjoying my life and if stuff comes up, awesome. And if it doesn't, like that's cool. I got so many of the things I'm excited about in my life. I'm swimming, I'm writing, I'm making food. It's great. Nothing real new in my in my world yet uh except that stuff, but uh it sounds like you have a cautionary tale for our listeners.
1: Yes, I, I'm going to move on to that. but I just wanted to say one more thing about the...
2: Uh, <laughs> You're going to move about, on to that. That's good.
1: Uh, I didn't even realize I made that pun. That pun will make more sense when I talk about this. But uh, I, I was going to mention the, the, about the commercial thing. I remember, um, and I think he even may have talked about it on the podcast when he was on uh, this last uh, December or January, Ben Whitehair sort of, I think it was last year, sort of releasing commercials uh, energetically. And I, I I sort of get that. It reminds me of, like, uh, what we talked about last week with Amy Poehler's Yes, Please, the finding your currency thing. Like, I, I went out for tons of commercial auditions. Like, I got maybe two callbacks. I never booked a thing back when I had my, my commercial agents. And it's sort of the thing of, like, well, either one of two things going on. Either I'm not good at it or I'm not, quote, unquote, right for The commercial world like so you know one one of those things is happening and either way maybe it's maybe I just need to find a different currency I need to put sort of put my focus somewhere else
2: when you were going out for stuff commercially were you enjoying that process
1: sometimes I would say 25% of the time okay yet one out of every four or maybe five auditions, I was actually having a good time. Other than that, no, I was not. I was it was not an enjoyable uh, process. I don't know if there, there might be people out there who, who totally dig it. I know that. Um, you and I are probably not two of those people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, my, my buddy, Eric, uh, I did an animation demo with him this week. We did a session and I'm working on that right now, but he's, he goes out commercially all the time and he's just one of those faces and personalities and types that just books a lot of commercial work. I mean, he just got a call in the middle of our session, literally he was in the booth and he was like, guys, can we stop? I, my, my agent's calling me. And he booked a, a national spot for uh mini Cooper and and that was like the second or third odd thing he'd booked like you know in the past month or so. So he's just one of those guys that that does it. And he was like loving it and loving life. And and then there's people like me and it sounds like you as well that are just like okay another two hour chunk out of my day to go play the face lottery. <laughs>
1: The face lottery. Yeah, so. I don't think it's the first time you've said that on the podcast, but it <laughs> sounds, it just made me laugh again.
2: Yeah, so I mean, you know, yeah. like I think that's a great, like the way you put it just now when you referenced Amy Poehler's book, Finding Your Currency. Like, like Jasmine, um, shared from from the book last episode. I think that's a big—that's a that that's that can't be underestimated. Finding your currency, and if commercials are not your currency, then perhaps it's time to move on and release them energetically.
1: The cautionary tale, and the reason that move on, is was a funny pun. So we thought, Jasmine and I thought, and I even said this last week. I said we've hired a moving company, we booked flights. I don't know if you remember me saying this last week. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I I was listening to the podcast and I was like, oh man, I have to sort of update people on this, if for no other reason than to just this is a cautionary tale. There are a lot of shyster, scammy <laughs> yeah, moving companies out there. Holy crap. We started doing, re- well, to her credit, Jasmine started doing research on these moving companies, and they have like F an F letter grade on um, Better Business Bureau. Ooh, they and they're they, still around.
2: That's impressive. They, yeah.
1: Yeah, and they have like super low ratings on 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 Yelp and and some of them change their name all the time so that they can't be followed on Yelp. And then we realized that there's no such thing as like getting a cheap moving company worth their salt. So if you want your stuff to show up on the other side of your move, you have to spend quite a lot of money. And the thing is, is we're not moving a lot of stuff because we didn't bring a lot of stuff with us in the first place. So we're talking like three grand to to do a cross country move. If you want a mover that has like five star reviews on Yelp and, a, and, a, and an A or A plus on the on BBB. So anyway, we have been through it with that. And, and we ha- we asked for our money back. We canceled our flights and we're driving again.
2: Oh, my God. Wow, Be-
1: because it was just it was just the best way to get ourselves our stuff uh, across the country the the most cost effective way and not m- lose anything.
2: <laughs> so are <laughs> you sure that, yeah? Are you renting a car or how, how's that working?
1: Yeah, we're renting a car and a U-Haul trailer. And you know, the first time we came across, we just did it in a Dodge Caravan and, and folded down all the back seats. But you know, we've got the kitty now, and so we wanted a little mm. bit more room. So we're 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 hoping to pull a trailer, which is all th- this whole logistical nightmare. Cause we have to get really lucky and find a, uh, a rental that has a trailer hitch on it already.
2: Uh-huh. So
1: now when we go to pick up the car, <laughs> this is so scary. The day that we go to pick up the car from enterprise, we have to essentially say, Hey, I don't want you to pick the car. Can we pick the car and then go out <laughs> And look underneath the back bumper to make sure that there's a trailer hitch, and then we'll go. Oh, okay, cool. We'll take this one.
2: <laughs> and is this something that they allow? Like, does it have to so be like, don't, done on the slide? They don't.
1: They it kind of has to be done on the slide because they don't allow trailer. They don't put trailer hitches on any of their vehicles, but there are certain vehicles, like a Chevy Tahoe, for instance, that have a trailer hitch. Like, it, it, it's. It's built into the car. It's right. already there. So you right. just need to add the little drop and ball piece.
2: So about three grand for a moving company worth their salt to move your stuff, plus the flights, which are, I don't know, ballpark, like 300 bucks, maybe one way. Okay, so that comes out to, you know, a chunk of money. So it's cheaper then to move it yourself and rent a car and a trailer hitch and all that? I mean, like, is it it's significantly literally- cheaper?
1: It's literally a third of the price.
2: Wow! And a have third. you factored gas and hotels and all that stuff into that?
1: Gas, yes. Hotels? We're not staying in hotels. We're staying with friends and, okay. and and people that we know in the middle of the country, or we're camping. Awesome. We have we have all of our camping gear with us. We're just going to find places to 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 camp for the night. Wow! Uh, not that those are cheap. You know, usually a camping spot's like twenty bucks or whatever, but it's certainly cheaper than a hotel. Wow. I don't know how we got this lucky, but we fa- we finally found a car that doesn't have um, what they call a... It's like a drop-off concession fee or something like that. Basically, it's the one-way fee. And that we're going the farthest you can possibly go in the country, right, from end to end. So the one-way fee for most of the cars was like $750. We found one that is like two dollars and fifty cents wow i i don't know how it's it's been it's been a miracle the way that it's all lined up but thank god because you know we're saving money and we're gonna you know uh our, get our stuff there safely
2: what's your eta
1: so uh, we're leaving august 27th ish and arriving september 3rd ish oh my god it's and right i in the ra- corner I know. It's crazy. It's like a few weeks from now. And what's, and what's crazy, too, we wanted to be able to spend some time with family. I'm going on a fishing trip with my dad Like as soon as I get back, which actually well, we need to talk about because I don't know what's going to happen. You might have to do a solo episode one of, the, one of those weeks in, in the beginning of September. But right after that I, – so I have an audition. This is the other piece of news for, from this week. I have an audition on Monday – for a regional production of the musical Bonnie and Clyde for the lead, for Clyde in uh, in Houston, Texas. And what's cool is it's a short run. So I would only miss like the first week or two of teaching at UCLA. So, tr- so Ben can just do that those couple of classes and then I'll come back. Point, point being, like we may actually not bother getting an apartment in – LA proper until middle of October, beginning of November, if I, if I were to book this. So it's just like, everything is like in flux. You know, we talked about the, the the whole thing of like being open to possibility and going where the work is and everything. I would love to do a show where I play the lead in Houston, Texas, and try to get as many of the local casting people to come see it Yeah, because so much stuff, you know, shoots there. We've been talking about all this regional Stuff, a lot of stuff happening. Uh, the the third part of Brandy's interview is epic and is probably the longest part. So we are going to uh, skip the listener questions uh, section and jump right into the interview after uh, a word from our sponsors.
2: Absolutely, after a word from rehearsal two. Have you heard of Rehearsal 2? Have you not? You should. It's the app for actors. If you want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions and explore your character and make stronger choices, there's an app for that. It's called Rehearsal 2, and it's all about getting the script in front of you as often as possible. It is an ingenious app, and you can download it for yourself right now at rehearsaltheapp.com download. Do it now. Thank us later. Rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. And that's it. Nice. Okay, guys, so here is the third and final part of my chat with Brandy. And this is quite possibly the most comprehensive, literal, step-by-step, blow-by-blow account of how she took her idea for a story all the way through to a an hbo award-winning film it's it's really a thorough amazing interview and um it's so thorough in fact that we uh, put together a little goodie for y'all which you'll hear about on the other side of the interview so get out your notebooks and pens enjoy this and we'll catch you on the other side Let's change gears then and go into the actual kind of what I see is like the meat of the of our of our sort of chat today, which is your short film, Muted. And I know you've done a few different things since Muted or around the same time. I was looking at your Vimeo channel and you've got a couple things on there, and you've yeah. got web series and other projects in development. You're writing a feature version of Muted right now. Yeah. Um, you've been on other podcasts and interviews and stuff I about this project. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really pretty cool. And you wrote this really kind of powerful. A uh, deeply moving um, Thank you. story about race and um, family and grief, and um, it was accept. It, it won the what was it, what was the film festival? I wrote it down. Sure, and uh, so it, up it was again. at
0: the American Black Film Festival. That's the one. Um, they it's sponsored by HBO and so it won the,
2: the short film award, it and did. then and then it got picked up by HBO. So yes that's amazing like I, there are people out there who can only dream of that kind of success
0: we were dancing like to the moon so, <laughs> we were so very tell us about, excited
2: let's go like let's start with the idea you had the idea for this short sure. film where did that come from
0: so the idea um so, actually no,
2: i'm sorry let me stop you okay. let's tell people what it's about first ah, yes <laughs> <If we could. laughs>
0: they might want to know um so basically muted follows the gladwells and um it's a black family whose 15 year old daughter goes missing And um, it is basically a commentary on what happens when uh, people of color go missing versus what generally happens when a white person goes missing. And so um, you see both the similarities and the differences between the two. It is a short, so we don't get to explore too much, but, um, but it does touch on it. I was doing a lot of research, at one point, I was going to produce a documentary, which sadly never came to be, but um, it was about Matrice Richardson, who was this beautiful black woman who went missing in Malibu under highly suspicious ass circumstances. And so because of that, I started just really uh, like delving into the topic of missing people and missing people of color and and, and all these people who had gone missing who I had never heard of. Um, which I didn't understand because, like, I'd heard of Natalie Holloway and and I've heard of all these other people who, when you think of their names, like like instantly you can think of all these newscasts that have happened around them, and some of these stories were quite similar. So I was like, why had, have I not heard of of them? And the only reason why I found them is because there's a Facebook page. There are two actually. One is called Black and Missing, and the other one is called Black and Missing, but Not Forgotten. So. Literally, I had to go to those pages to find these stories. And wow. so um, so from there, I was like, I, I wanted to, you know, like I told you around this time, I, I was getting frustrated because, um, you know, nothing was really happening. I had done a web series. I wrote a web series, Diary of a Wedding Planner. And that was fun. And it was a great learning experience. But um, I wanted to do something next. And I wasn't getting cast in anything of like, anything that, that I felt like, where I could really sink my teeth into. And so um, originally, I just wanted to write something that I could showcase myself as an actor. Um, but then when I wrote it, it, it ended up being where it really was about the mother. And um, obviously, I couldn't play a mom of a 15-year-old daughter, so I wrote myself as the older sister. And um, I took it to one of my best friends, Tara Uh We met in an acting class, a business of acting class, actually. And... Um, she loved it and was like, yeah, let's... Because I told her, like, I need your help to produce this. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, let's do it. And I wrote her a, a role in it as well. And so she played the best friend of The Girl Who Goes Missing. From there, we had no idea what we were in store for because that was January of 2012. And we didn't actually make it. And this is a short. And we didn't make it until October of 2013. Wow. Which is a very long time to wait for a short film but there were a variety of reasons. Um, When I first wrote it, it was 35 pages, which is way too long for a short, um, but nowhere near for a feature, and um, so I had to choose, and I was like, I'm not ready to write a feature. This is getting cut. The way we even came to that was um, a good friend, Paula Killebrew, was able she had access to an elementary school and so she um got us a room and I just got some of my friends I emailed a bunch of actor friends and was like can you help me can you do this table read for me please like there's no money but I'll bring snacks (laughs) and um and thankfully they said yes and so we did a table read and I got fantastic feedback from everyone and um from there we cut it I think got it down to like 15 16 pages something like that and from there we were kind of like off and running and so um, Tara and myself had decided we were going to produce this. Um, and, and we were thinking, like, I, I so clearly remember the phone conversations where we were like, um, yeah, we could probably do this for like $5,000. Like, we were just randomly pulling numbers. And, and $5,000 was a lot, still a lot for us. But we were like, yeah, we could probably do this for $5,000. And we, we realized that, like, okay, let's, let's go on and get a line producer. So we hired a line producer, Tina Pavlidis. I hope I'm saying her last name right. She's going to kill me. Um, still Standing Productions. And I. anyone who's thinking of doing their own project, that really is the very first thing that you need to do. Is no. Unless you are writing it specifically with things that you already have, which is great, but this story, I, there's no way I could have done that with this story. But um, unless you're writing around the locations and things you already have, you have got to hire a line producer before you do anything else, because otherwise you're going to be like us, picking random numbers out of your butt that mean nothing. So she uh, created a budget for us, and we were in shock. We were like, "Tina, no!" Like I think her first figure was like fifteen thousand dollars, and we were like, "Are you crazy? What? No, we don't. We don't have that kind of money, girl. What? No." And so um, she was so patient with us, and she was just like listen, the level of story that you're trying to tell and what you're telling me that you want, you're not gonna get for a lot less than this for all these reasons. And we were like, what is a best boy? What is a great, what, what, what? Can't we just have our friends like double? No, and we fought her on that so hard. Um, but in the end, as we started to attach people, we, we did have to increase the budget. So, um, So after hiring her, like our next stop was to hire a director because neither one of us had any, and we still don't um, have any aspirations to direct. And so, um, so this is one of the reasons why it took so long to make because we reached out to a few different—I um, guess you could say—a list directors who um, we had read, we'd done our research, who are like not A-list directors, but A-list actors who wanted to transition into directing. And so we were like, okay, these people are wanting to transition to directing. This is a great way for them to get their feet wet without like risking a lot of money, that sort of thing. And we just said, let's try it. And so we reached out to their agents and managers, made a lot of calls. And um, one in particular loved it, met with us, had lunch with us. At the end of the lunch, she was like, we're making a film. And we were like, Yes! so excited and this person got hired to direct a movie uh, a tv movie then she got a guest spot that was then bumped up to a recurring on a very famous tv show she then got a series regular uh, a series regular on something else she got like i mean she was already very well known but like it's just seemed like she was on fire then so we kept Waiting and waiting mm, and waiting and mm. pushing and pushing. And every time we talk to her, like, she's still interested, but, like, she's trying to figure out how she can work it into her schedule. Yeah. At Then uh, I want to say seven, eight months pass by. Mm-hmm. And we finally had to look at each other and say, if we keep waiting for her, this is not ever going to get made. Or if it does, like, we're going to be too old to play the roles that we're supposed to play in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because yeah. uh, Tara's playing a high school girl and, and I'm the older sister, but still. And so we finally um, had to make the decision that we need to walk away from this director. And, it, and, and that probably was the... Like our hearts were like, like you kind of like are in mourning because you just knew that like all the press that would have came and mm-hmm. like, it just would have been so great, that sort of thing. And all of our family who were, they were so excited because after we met with her and we said we're making a film, like we knew this was happening. So that's the first lesson, like don't announce it to your people yet until you, until it's like until signed, it's like still signed. delivered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, of course we didn't put it on social media or anything like that, thank God, but still. So then it was like, okay, we've got to find a director. And, um, then at that point it was like, okay, we've done the whole, let's, let's go the A-list route. Now let's just look for someone who gets this story and, um, has a take on this story and will really partner with us. And so from there we put out, um, a call. I specifically wanted a woman because it's such a maternal, has a maternal feel to Mm -hmm. it. Um, so, um, so I met with some women who some of them were mothers, some of them weren't. But uh, we met a lot of really great women, and um, then we ended up hiring Rachel Goldberg, and she came on board as our director. And from there, we then we finally felt like okay, now we can like go out to actors because <laughs> now it's not just writer, producer, actors. You know, now we have um, now we have the director, and so. Um, Around the same time that this whole director thing fell through, we had had an actress that we were interested in from the beginning to play uh, the main role. She was she's she's still not very well known, but those who know her love her because she's like a she was theater trained, just a great actress. Mm-hmm. And um and she we knew that she could pull because it's a it's a deep heavy role, and we knew she could pull it off. And she was on board. She just you know wanted to know who the director was going to be before it was official. And, like, so finally when we had the director um, ready to go, we go to her, her manager, who was so lovely and we had been in contact with. And she says, ladies, I'm so sorry. She has to pull out. Her husband died. And we said, oh, my God. Oh my God. And so then at that point, it was just like we there was just no room to even be sad for us because, like, her husband was—, was a, a, a young, healthy—you know—he had a heart attack, and we, of course, really, really felt for her. Um, and so we had to, we had to start looking for someone else. And so, you know, I, I bring this up just to say that, like, like so many things happen that.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say there were a lot of bumps in the road, like a lot bumps. of obstacles. Yes, yeah.
0: yes, and um, and and so we it was like we had such a like this is who it's gonna be, and and you have to learn to open your mind, and um, and I'm so glad we did because then uh, once we hired the director her good friend was Robin Lippin. Robin Lippin also um, knew Tara, the producer, because Tara had interned for her. So it was great, because Rachel knew her and Tara knew her, and so as Perfect. a result, yes, yeah. of both of these things, she decided to help us out. And um, so she cast the main role, Lena, and um, the first person that she mentioned, uh, who ended up being taking on the part, was Chandra Wilson, Um, from Grey's Anatomy, she plays Dr. Bailey, and we initially were like, are you sure? (laughs) Because, I mean, number one, why would she be interested? Number two, she's on freaking Grey's, and they do 26 episodes a season. I don't even know if she'd make it work. I don't know if she'd want to. Um, And she was just like, I'm telling you, I I think she would really, I think this material will speak to her. And we were like, well, yeah, if you think so, please go for it. And, um, Kept our fingers crossed. And sure enough, she responded to the material. And once her agent said, yeah, she likes it, she just wants to talk to the filmmakers, um, myself and Tara called her. And I remember we were like, this was like the biggest thing, you know, to us. And so we <laughs> so we called her, uh, Tara came over and we called her and put her on speakerphone. And she was just this wonderful, lovely, bubbly personality. She's from Houston. And she had that like down home Texas vibe. And, and, you know, she's asking those questions and it's going really well. But in the back of our minds, we're still thinking about how things went really well at the lunch with the director who ended up mm-hmm. falling out. So at the end of the conversation, we say, what else do we have to do to make this official? <laughs> That's how we end the conversation because nice. we just can't do this again. Nice. And she was like, oh, I oh, I thought it was already official. I just wanted to like to talk to you. And we were like, Oh my god! Oh, yes! (laughs) We're so excited. And we, like, did the contract with her. Like, we did all that the next week and, like, got awesome. got it signed, still delivered. And we're so, like, yes, we have our, we have the person who's going to anchor the film. Yeah. Once we got her on board, then things really were rolling. We cast Danielle Watts to be, um, to be, to play the girl who goes missing. Um, Malcolm Jamal Warner was such serendipity because we actually put out a breakdown because it was, like, three or four days before we shot and we still hadn't found the father. And we put out a breakdown breakdown and lo and behold Danielle's agent calls Tara and is like hey so I just saw your breakdown I rep Malcolm Jamal Warner would you be interested in him and we were like what <laughs> and he was like I mean I haven't talked to him so I don't know if he's interested but he's looking to do more things like this that meaningful work so I think he might be but I wanted to make sure before I mentioned it to him and we were like well the first question we said was how old is he? Cuz he looked really young and he yeah, had to be able to be yeah. my father too. Um but he was like, yeah, he's mid 40s or whatever. And we were like, oh, well, yeah, if he if he'll do it, yeah. yeah. And um and thankfully he said yes and we did have to make some major changes to our scheduling because he had to be somewhere that was like he he had a flight. To mm-hmm. catch and it it could not be changed and so um but it was worth it to get him in our minds so yeah. that's what we did and um and so for the rest of the roles um like for example the detectives um we got Ross McCall and George Lewis Palo and she had worked with both of them and they were great they were great yeah and and so it just all came together and um, better than what we you know our original vision like we have to have this person this person right and it came together better than we could have ever imagined. And we were really thankful
2: raising the money for it. I mean, what, the, what did your budget end up being
0: sure? So project so,
2: projected and then actual, I guess sure. if you can share those numbers.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I don't have any attachment to a studio where I have to keep it quiet. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so like I said, initially we were like, yeah, we can make this for $5,000. And, uh, Tina shut us down and gave us his budget for 15. And we were like, no, let's okay, fine. Let's, let's do 10. That was our compromise. Um, and then as we started adding this stuff on and, and when we actually got locations and things like that, thankfully our locations were able to double, but still, um, then the projected budget was, fif- back, was back to back her 15. original 15000 So we were like, okay, 15000 that's what we're working for. We went on Kickstarter. We did that for 30 days. Freaking full time job. Yeah, um, seriously. Had many nights where we all got together, a, a group of friends, and like making calls to people to get them to donate right then and there just to get the momentum going. But thankfully, we raised a little over sixteen thousand on there, oh, so we did make our goal. Then we had some people who missed the Kickstarter but found us. Um, for example, Valerie Patterson ended up coming on as an associate producer. She found us on Twitter, liked what it was about, and gave us a thousand bucks and oh, was cool. like, "I want to be a part of this." Did which you set up wonderful. like a PayPal
2: link for that? Or um, you know, you- we
0: have a PayPal link now, but no, we had we had a muted account, and so she wrote a okay. check and we put it in our account. And um, so
2: you created a separate checking account or business account for this? Absolutely.
0: Because there was just no way in hell that I was going to have that money intermingling with either of our, you know, that would have been a nightmare because you know taxes. You, you got to claim that stuff, and yeah. I didn't want an extra fifteen thousand dollars in income to be taxed. No, because because uh, we're using it for this pers- bes- blah, blah 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 specific thing. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So
0: um, so yeah, so we and it was very easy. Um, we actually opened it up with uh, Actors Federal Credit Union right in the SAG Building.
2: Sweet.
0: Um, and so yeah, so we had a muted account, and um, some people contributed there, so we ended up our final budget ended up being eighteen
2: thousand. So I'm curious about the the. The checking, the the separate accounts. Yeah. Because this is something that I think is sort of the next level for me personally. Like the next thing I make, I want to make it with a decent budget. And, uh, you know, the podcast, we're looking at possibly like creating it as an official entity finally after like six years. Yeah. So you go down to the the bank or the the Actors Federal Credit Union and you just say, what?
0: Well,. So again, this is where um, being an entrepreneur, uh, that experience kicked in because I knew that you had to have a DBA if you wanted to open, DBA standing for doing business as a fictitious name in order to open the account and um, to have a, if you want to open an account, you also need it needs to either be attached to your social security number or uh, a federal EIN, um, which uh
2: Employee identification is, number, is, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: And so which is like the social which for is your business. Your social, yeah, yes, yeah. for your business. And so, um so, like I told you earlier, my aunt is my accountant, so we hired her. Um she she's her office is actually up in Hayward, but so the first thing would be to, to hire the accountant to get, give you your EIN, um, get your DBA, and then you take that. So Tara went to like the business license place in Van Nuys, registered for our business license and the DBA. Um, we sent that information to my aunt. She filed for it, sent us back our EIN. And then once we got that, we take that information to the bank and you say, I want to open up a business uh, checking account um, and or saving account. And for actors federal credit union in particular, you needed $100 to open it. I know everyone has their own thing. Um, So literally, uh, we only had $100 in there for the longest time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we had an official account. And if anyone wanted to give money to our film, they did not have to write a check to me or her, they could write it straight to muted the film. So it felt very official.
2: That's Um, That's cool.
0: And so it was great, because then when we set up Kickstarter, you know, when you're doing the whole setup process, you have to put in all, the, all your banking information for where Amazon will send you that money. And um, I don't know if they've made changes now, but at least then, which is back in 2013, like the money <laughs> the money comes from each particular person. So it wasn't like, I, th- I thought it was gonna be like one dump of $16,000 and it wasn't. It was like 540, 1000, like wh- however right. much they gave. Right. I mean, over a period of like three days. So it all still came together, but it was separate little things. Wow. So. I would be really scared if that was in someone's regular checking account where their life is happening yeah, as well. Yeah, how would you ever, no, yeah. thank you, Separate no. that out, yeah. So, um, so we did that, and um, and so thankfully, you know, we made our money, our budget on Kickstarter, money came through. Then I think it was really just a matter of, like, crewing up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, where do you even
2: start for that?
0: Yeah, and I'm laughing because... You know, as actors, you're so used to working for free because you just want to do, you want to work. Um, that, at least for me, I can't speak for other people, but for Tara and I, we were like, yeah, we'll get some people to work for free. No. With a lot of crew, especially, and I totally understand it now, with people who are like lugging heavy lights and things like mm-hmm. that, um, they need to get paid.
2: And spending 12 hours on and their And spending feet. 12 hours on their feet. Yeah.
0: And like, and... There were a couple of people that we found for cheap and we were so excited, and then they backed out a day or two before because they found a job that paid them their right. rate. Right. So, you know, yeah. there's that. So, um, Gotta so put a retainer
2: on that thing, there,
0: yes, yeah. yes, craziness. So, um, let me backtrack. There was one other thing we did, we wanted one other, um, producer to be on set because both Tara and I would also be acting and we wanted like when we're acting to really be able to focus on acting because again it wasn't like a funny light piece it's a pretty heavy piece so um we were trying to figure out like who could it be and I happened to be on Craigslist and I don't honestly even remember why I was on Craigslist, what I was looking for in like the film gigs, whatever department. But I happened to see this person posted that they were looking for like short films and all that, that this, this person and his brother um, are starting a production company and they were looking for short films and blah, blah, blah. And I submitted, I submitted muted. And I was like, Hey, we're making this film. We're like almost ready, but we do need some help finding crew. And so funny because we met this dude Matt Bradley at a Starbucks and we were all skeptical because you know it's myself um Tara and then my friend Danette Wilson who was our production manager and we we're all kind of skeptical because we were like meeting someone from Craigslist you never <laughs> know and it's a dude and like uh-huh. uh, we'll see but he was awesome he was awesome and we we're such good friends now and, um, hope to be able to, uh, get him on board for the feature. And like, he, he was the main person kind of like in charge of, of the crew stuff. And it was wonderful. Cause that was the one area that like, we just did not want to deal with. And right. so he would send us crew, um, ideas, people, and we'd like approve or whatever. And so his ideas coupled with Rachel, our director's ideas, we kind of went through and like, we had to, you have to balance out like the budget with, you know, this person's rec- reputation is fantastic. But like, if his rate is like twice what we can pay, it's not going to happen unless right. he believes in the story and is willing to go down. <laughs> right. So, um, like one person in particular that he brought us was our stylist, our wardrobe, um, Kimberly. Like some things you don't even think about when you're writing stuff. For example, in this particular story, it takes place over a course of multiple days because she's gone missing. So I didn't even think about the fact that like, there's gotta be a new outfit for every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So just little things like that, that that can make the budget grow that you just don't even, you're just trying to write a story. So you don't even think about that. Um, But she was great, and she worked for, most people, if not all, worked for far below their rate because they did believe in the story, and they wanted to to help make it. And so we were really glad. We had a wonderful, wonderful team. I think only a couple douchebags. (laughs) I feel like there's always one, but only a couple, and and we will not be working with them again. But um, for the most part, just a really phenomenal group of people who um, did an excellent job and Yeah, we, we, we shot in October of uh, 2013, which was a uh, three, like a three day shoot. I was pregnant during the time. And it was so funny because the wardrobe, when she, when she had me, which we were doing our fitting, she was like, she fit me around, whatever. And then when we started shooting, which was only like the, a few days later, she was like, you're. What's going on? <laughs> like showing. I had yeah. literally started showing in that little small period of time and so some of the pants were snug and we did have to have a few shots where there's like a pillow in front of me or whatever wow, just to really? make sure. Yeah, cuz it was cuz wow. I'm kind of thin but that was it was coming out. <laughs> that at least up until now has been the greatest um sort of film experience that I've had to date um and it's because it was such a long journey. Um, and obviously that we, we hadn't even talked about post yet but just for that we Tara and I just looked at each other and we were just like we are made this movie is actually happening there's like 50 people here we're feeding them like it's we're making this freaking movie. Oh, my it. God. It was and such all, a good experience. Yeah. And those,
2: those people got to work on something cool. They got to add a project to their resume. And they yes. got to feed their families and pay their rent. All because you decided to put pen to paper. Oh, man. Isn't it like, was, I just I think it's amazing the way it just takes one happen. person saying, you know what? I'm going to write this down. Do this. And then from that, all this, all this amazingness. Stuff. Yeah. Um, I, just because we're a little bit tight on time, I want to kind of... <clears throat> gloss over the, the post production process sure. and go straight to getting this into the festival and then getting that on HBO go, because that's a pretty amazing accomplishment. So, yeah. so obviously you, you finish the film, you've got the finished product and you're submitting it to festivals.
0: Yes. So I knew that I wanted to, because I was aware of, um, the fact that HBO sponsored this festival and that the winners would get on HBO. I, I knew that from previous films. So, um, post-production was going kind of slowly and I was like, okay, we gotta gotta be at least ready to submit to this deadline. And with this particular festival because you're gonna be on HBO, it has to be a world premiere. So like you can't n- nothing else can happen before then. And so we submitted like in like the nick of time, I want to say probably the day of or the day before the deadline. And um, finally got the call and we were so stoked and we thought that it was like most festivals where there's like 25, 30 shorts or something like that and then whoever wins. But they literally pick five they pick Hmm. five short films from all the ones they receive and they fly you out and put you up and hbo treats you phenomenal like oh my god i need to be in that family hbo family because they just it's first class everything was first class it was amazing and so And and we got to meet the other four filmmakers and we got to meet a lot of HBO executives and it was phenomenal. And we found out during the course that even if you didn't win, you could still be licensed by HBO. They were offering it to all five filmmakers, so we were like, "Ah, yes, we're going to be on HBO regardless." But then, if you won, you won ten thousand dollars. So of course, hmm. we still wanted to win. Yeah. And um, thankfully, they called our name when it and was time. Did. Yeah. That's
2: amazing. And then that was part of the deal was that they would put it on HBO and, yes. and then HBO Go launched just uh, just a few months ago.
0: Yeah. So um, so they offered a licensing deal to all five filmmakers. Which is a that was an education in itself because uh, they have this thing known as legal, <laughs> and legal has this thing known as clearances and clearances. That was an additional, I think, twelve fifteen hundred dollars that we had wow. to spend because we had artwork in our film
2: oh, no. that we
0: no. thought that that we thought were, was cleared. We thought um, that it belonged to the owner. Um, and then we found out that, like, oh, okay, it doesn't belong to the owner, so it came from this prop house. Even though it's from the prop house, it doesn't matter if it's not cleared from the artist, because that artist could see their artwork. And, and it was very, ble- you couldn't really see what it was, but still, um, yeah. they could sue HBO. So we literally had to pay our editor to go frame by frame to blur out any recognizing things oh, from this one freaking artwork painting thing that was in every almost every shot like 90 percent of our shots um and she gave us a discount so I'm not mad at her at all but um it it was expensive and it was and yeah and so and that actually unfortunately one of the other filmmakers um had a lovely film and she had to decline the license because it was going to cost her way too much money to um get rid of some of the things that they needed to That's air. stuff you got
2: to think about so, and you only learn the stuff after you, the fact so yeah, much of the time. because we
0: thought yeah. we had everything cleared and it literally yeah. like was a little like crafting needlework thing. Yeah. you just it's it was such a wonderful lesson and we just looked at it as thank goodness we're learning this on the short. And yeah. not a feature. <laughs> yeah.
2: to, your, to your editor's credit, I didn't notice blurring out of she anything. Is, like, let me
0: shout her out right now. Yeah. Lex Benedict um, with Long Lost Pictures. She's phenomenal. She's freaking phenomenal. She works for Hell's Kitchen. She works for a couple of different things, but um, her her heart and love is with independent film awesome. projects. So awesome. She's awesome, great.
2: Awesome. Cool. Well, um, I hate to kind of cut this short, but I do want to wrap up just in, to- in the interest of time, but... I'll I'll just end with the, the two questions that we end all our interviews with. So sure. I know you're familiar with these. You may have sort of thought about the answers, but uh, here we go. Huh? Did this industry choose you or did you choose it?
0: That's right. I do love that question. Uh, yeah, no, this industry definitely chose me. Um, just because if, if there was something else that I could do, I've been given the opportunity to do other things. <laughs> and even though I find enjoyment in them, uh, none of them give me that spark and that excitement that acting and writing and, and storytelling does. None. Mm. As much as I love baking, as much as I love weddings, it's, it is it is fun, but there's just nothing like touching someone with a story that you have either written or got to play a part in by producing it or acting it or whatever. So it definitely chose me. Cool. Absolutely. And
2: if you could uh, take all your experience, all the lessons learned from the victories and the falling flat on your face moments, and condense that down into one nugget of advice to pass on to somebody walking the path behind you. What would that nugget of advice be?
0: Oh, um... Okay, I I guess the one nugget of advice I would give someone is, if this is what you really want to do, don't make excuses for yourself. It is so easy to make excuses you know, you're not born with a silver spoon. You don't have uh, connections. You live in Idaho. Um, I I don't want to hear it. Like, I I just, I don't, I don't. I have three kids Mm. and they cost a lot of money. (laughs) Um, And I'm not rich. Uh, And I have a husband and he loves me, but it's not like, He's not supporting me in that way. You know what I mean? He's supporting us to live. He's not supporting this dream financially, so to speak. So uh, I don't want to hear the excuses. I really don't. If you want this, you have to find a way to make it happen. And true enough, it may take longer than you'd want it to. But if I can make a film that is now on freaking HBO with the resources that I had um, and even have now... You it can be done, hmm. it can be done. Um, so don't make don't make excuse. There, you're gonna go through. There's gonna be obstacles that come in your way. So don't provide an obstacle yourself. So don't make excuses for yourself.
2: Hmm. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Right on. Um, God, there's so many other things I wanted to chat about. Uh, like can your, I say like one your, thing really quickly? Oh, please, yeah. Um,
0: just that we are if anyone does want to follow along, please find us on Facebook under Muted the Movie. Awesome. Um, because we, I have written the feature. Um, oh, I'm it's all, done? Oh, it's done. I'm, I'm literally like, I think I'm on act three of like my I'm on the seventh or eighth draft, but it's uh, like my agents are like, Yeah, we're about to it's getting ready to go out of production companies. See, so yeah. I'm just tweaking it and tightening it even more so at this point.
2: And you you signed with a literary agent back I in did. December, right?
0: I did, yeah. So now
2: you're actually a writer for hire or yes. how, how's that working? Yeah.
0: So it's so funny because right now I'm not actually repped, um and acting <laughs> because I had a commercial agent and then when I had my baby I was still going on a lot of auditions and it just was too much. And I was like, I want to be a mom right now because he's so little. Um, I got to stop, put pump right. the brakes. I'm on maternity leave. So, um, so I did that. And, and then in December, um, I got this offer, which was so funny because I wasn't even looking for a literary agent at the time. I had sent the script to a few different uh, places because we were, we wanted to start attaching people in, in key roles. And they called me in <laughs> for a meeting because they liked the script. And it was great because they fully supported and embraced the fact that I am a hy- hybrid hyphenate, whatever creative person. And they actually, they're trying to get more of their clients to branch out and not just be the one thing the and one to start thing, right. producing. And so, um, yeah, they've sent me out on a ton of meetings and it's wonderful because as an actor, I'm, I feel very comfortable. Like sometimes I guess writers are more comfortable writing and not so, and I'm like, Sue, we can talk all day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's actually way less pressure, pressure than an audition. Um, cause I'm just being myself. And so, I've met with a few really great companies that I hope to be in business with soon. Um so yes, I am available for assignment, but we we do know that the number one priority right now is getting muted the feature produced right. because Chandra has a very short um window of of availability because of grades. Right. And we need her. We'll probably need her for I'm guessing around 2 weeks or so to to do this. So um that's where we're at. It's, yeah, That's we're, awesome. we're making, we are making this movie next year, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> putting it out there.
2: Commitment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So muted the movie on Facebook. Yes. And then we can follow you on Twitter and Instagram and, yeah. and Facebook as well. Right?
0: Yes. On Twitter. I'm at Brandy Ford, um, as well as on Facebook and on Instagram, uh, creatively B,
2: B, B E. Uh, just B for Brandy. Just creatively B. Yes.
0: Creatively Love B. it. B.
2: Awesome. Well, Brandy, thank you so so much for taking the time to be here. This is really awesome. Yay! Thank Our you. Our first working actress, mother, filmmaker, this baker, hybrid. This is so
0: hybrid. fun. Yeah. <laughs> I've listened to this show for like so many years, so it's uh, it's like a full circle experience. It's great.
2: Oh, that's cool. Well, it's been a real honor. So thank you for taking the time.
1: i have a feeling that 203 is going to go down in history is like one of those episodes that we refer back to a lot because of the granular nature with which she goes about just you know this conversation like just the step by step it's like oh you want to make a short film like first do this then do this then do that and obviously you know it's not there's no formula to anything but if we get we get a lot of questions of people like, I, I, I don't know where to start, or how do I start, or how do I get started? It's like Well, maybe maybe from here on out we just say, go listen to episode 203. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: yeah, and actually it is, I love that you use the word granular, because uh, it is very granular. It's very step-by-step, and it, it's just how <laughs> one person did it. But there's some universal stuff in there. Like when she says like the first and most important thing you should do or spend your money on is hiring a line producer, like I think that that's that's just great advice that we haven't really heard on the show before in six years of doing this and, you know, and other little things like that. So, uh, what we usually do when we do these interviews, just a little peek behind the curtain here for listeners is typically, you know, if it's, if it's just me doing the interview or just AJ and Jasmine doing the interview, typically what we'll do is we'll edit that interview, uh, and take out any sort of extraneous stuff. And while we're doing that, we'll take detailed notes for the other person, Uh, In this case, it was me taking notes uh, so that AJ and Jasmine could have a sort of just quick at a glance breakdown of the interview. And this one was so good because there was just so much stuff in there uh, that uh, we we thought like, hey, why don't we take these notes and throw them up on the membership site, especially for something like this, which is so point by point so people can have that as a reference. Uh, So that's that's our little gift to you. Uh, is we're going to start doing that with all these interviews and especially the next interview series coming up with leah savoli there's going to be a lot of good information that i think it'll be really valuable for people to have a a textual summary essentially of of what you hear in the in the episode so check out the <clears throat> membership site for a bullet point breakdown of everything that you just heard in, in part three of brandy's interview and every interview going forward
1: epic what's your pick of the week man
2: so, I th- I, I th- referenced this last episode. It's a book called Thrive by a guy named Brendan Brazier. Uh, I've had this book for a long time, and it is the subtitle is the, I think it's like the Vegan Nutrition Guide to Athletic Performance or something like that. So, a few, a few episodes ago when I was talking about swimming and how I was, you know, kind of feeling my age and looking for ways that I could uh, sort of get myself to bounce back a little bit quicker diet was a big thing that came up diet you know recovery is everything and so aside from things like getting enough sleep and you know foam rolling and doing some myofascial release kind of stuff and making sure that you're stretching on a regular basis diet is another big thing and what I love about this book is it's built on the premise that our bodies. Only have so much energy they can sort of expend every day. There's a point at which we just exhaust our energy reserves. And so he takes the approach that the food we eat often contributes to how much energy we, we burn. So if I'm eating a burger, I'm going to expend a lot more energy burning that burger than I might by burning something that was, I don't know, maybe a little bit cleaner. Maybe it's a veggie burger. Maybe it's something else. He's got like 200 plus recipes in this book, and his whole philosophy is built around how to eat in such a way that your body is not expending a lot of energy burning food, but instead using that energy then to heal itself, repair itself, and put it towards your next workout. So it's a really cool book. Again, it's called Thrive by a guy named Brendan Brazier. Uh, there's a whole movement around it. He's got a whole line of products. I'm sure people listening to this have heard of the Vega line of sport products, or maybe it's Vega. Maybe that's how you say it. But, um, you know, there's supplements and stuff, but the book itself is great. Check out our website for the link to, to that book. I highly recommend it
1: is this something that you've been using to, uh, forgive the pun supplement your in the kitchen activity? Cause you were talking about how you've been in the kitchen working on stuff that was helping you recover in the, uh, that's my cat, by the way, playing with a toy. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. This I've been making a lot of the recipes from this book, little energy bar recipes and drink recipes and smoothie recipes. And, and pudding recipes and it's all like whole foods. It's all natural. It's not terribly expensive to, to eat this way. It's actually pretty affordable and, uh, and I feel great, you know, it's, it's working. So yeah, that's, this is a big part of, uh, of what inspired the the kitchen movement in my life.
1: <laughs> epic, epic. Yeah, well, yeah. we did, we never got around to having that conversation about, uh, recovery, I am also getting older and we are uh, really, you know, attacking um, these, you know, respective sports.
2: I would love to, um,
1: I don't know, follow in Trevor's
2: footsteps. (laughs) Well, hey, you can start uh, by uh, checking out the book because this book is fantastic.
1: Fantastic. And and I do want to
2: stress before we move on that, you know, it is a book about eating raw vegan, most of it. But he's, he's quick to point out that it's not like that's not a requirement. He just thinks that, the The argument that he puts forth is that these foods are easier healthier better more efficient for the body to digest that you get more energy per calorie consumed from these than from animal products but by no so means is he saying to eat a solely vegan diet he he just kind of says you know work these foods into your life bit by bit and you know go with what you feel is good for you but but give them a chance essentially is what he he puts out there so
1: so my my pick of the week is not something that no one's ever heard of necessarily it's just I, I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the work that uh, has been done on this uh, show up to this point and 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 really stress that it's not done um, which is uh, the daily show uh, last night as of this recording last night was Jon Stewart's uh final daily show and you know trevor noah will be taking over for him uh in the future and i just feel like there there's a lot of this type of stuff meaning uh political satire online but there's there's not a lot that is like like every day or, or at least four days a week uh uh you know at the same time on a on a on a on a on a well it's not i don't know if it's a, you want to call it a major <laughs> tv network but Comedy Central is, uh, you know, a pretty well-known uh, television network. Plus, you can get it on Hulu. You can get it on the uh, Comedy Central app and and whatnot. But there, there's there's really nothing else out there like it. I mean, even the Colbert Report is done because Stephen Colbert is taking over for Letterman. So mm. um, there, there's just there's not there's not a lot of stuff out there like it. And and last night, you know obviously was this you know a great send-off for 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 Jon Stewart but you know he talked about what it is that he's been doing and 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 essentially said you know the best thing that we can do um to participate in especially our quote-unquote democracy in the way that it's working these days is to call out politicians especially when they're not being truthful so I just wanted to encourage people to to watch the show. I think there was a study that came out, I think it was like two, three, four years ago, something like that, that said the, that Daily Show viewers were some of, if not the most informed people when it comes to national news and politics, um, more so than people who watch the actual news, quote unquote.
2: That's awesome. I, I'm so sad to see Jon Stewart go, but I also... Uh, know that he's moving on to bigger and better, and, um, not better, but you know he's moving on to, to new things, new horizons. I mean, he just he just directed that film Rosewater. I, I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? I have not. No, and I have I have
1: a friend in it too, someone actually who I've been trying to get on the podcast for a really long time, but has been quite flaky. He lives here in New York.
2: All right. Well, we've only got a minute or two here to wrap up, but we do want to we want to talk about, obviously, uh, we talked about the interview notes being in the membership uh, now that we'll be adding those in for every episode, which is going to be cool. But um, it's been a little while since we've done a member win of the week.
1: Part of the reason why is because we've been struggling with what to do with this section of the podcast. We we want to make sure that we are um, you know adding as much value to the podcast and to the membership as possible, and part of that has to do with just you know letting people know what the value you know what the value is there, and, and that's kind of what we wanted to do, or we don't know. Necessarily, if the member win of the week thing is the is the the best way to go about it, so it's going to be changing. Uh, we're working on it. We don't exactly know what we're going to do with this particular section, but we did want to go out on a high note. Um, and this one goes out to one of our longtime listener members who uh, has been uh, super supportive of the podcast and also really active in the membership itself, um, and that is uh, Catherine Grant Suddy. Um, she told this epic story. This is what I mean about going out on a high note because it's such a great sort of actor. This could I, this is the kind of thing that could only happen to an actor. It's sort of like the actor nightmare, but it all turned out great. Uh, she came back early from a trip to France where she was supposed to be working for a much longer time than she ended up uh, doing. So Um, I guess there was a bad situation there or something. And she found herself sort of in a funk when she got back. And of course, the universe is like, oh, no, you don't. And she gets a call from this theater that she worked at before in Seattle. And they say, hey, we're having a an issue with one of our actresses who apparently I guess was being a complete diva, you know, and, and said, you know, would you be willing to take over this role in the next, I, I guess, they were going to give her a couple of weeks to rehearse. And it's like a two hour play with only th- a thir- three person cast, like 50 pages of dialogue, two fight scenes. It's, it's, it's not something you just pick up and, and, and go about a week later, or maybe a few days later, they were like, actually, they called her again. And they were like, actually, uh, can you come and work Thursday, or can you can you start performances on Thursday? <laughs> and, and it was like on, on a Saturday, so she had v- like less than a week to to rehearse this. She was rehearsing all day with the other um, understudy. Uh, she, people were, you know, stage managers and prop masters and stuff were, were and costume designers were running all over town. Uh, not only to get her a costume that fit, but to also, you know, set props and stuff so that they could rehearse during the day. So they were working through like lunch breaks and all kinds of craziness. And um, not only did she pull it off, but no one knew it was her first performance. People were asking, wait, who, who, whose first performance was it? They're, they're extending the show. They've had sold out, they had sold out performances. I think the show has closed now, but one of the audience members told her after her performance, I don't know if it was the first one or, or within that first few, that she found it beautifully human and emotionally devastating. So it just goes to show we as performers, first of all, have the beautiful gift of having this lightning rod for the things that are going on in our lives emotionally. And also that we can pretty much do anything with a, th- there are people who don't have great performances with several weeks of rehearsal <laughs> and there are and and sometimes that's a good thing sometimes being you know the trial by fire so to speak the being thrown into the deep end is, is it can be a good thing and and what a great lesson for for all of us to to learn and what a great way to what a great note to go off on in terms of our uh member win of the
2: week yeah absolutely congratulations catherine that's really amazing and i would invite anybody who's a member of the podcast to hop online and check out the wins thread and actually read what she wrote she wrote it in a kind of fun and compelling way and it's it's really it's it's a cool story, you should hear it straight from her. It's in the win section and the the title of the thread is A Parable of Being a Team Player. Alright, well that is all the time we have for episode two hundred and three, and today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and you, AJ, AJ Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadala Gubrek is our marketing and web director. Jasmine Brista was our director of public relations. And Deborah Smith is our community manager. Trevor Algott, some guy nobody's ever heard of, edited and mixed our episode and composed our theme and interview music.
1: You can sign up for a weekly dis- email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on iTunes, and your reviews are hugely appreciated.
2: Special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal2 and gogo.com And thanks to you, our listeners. If you love Inside Acting and you want to maximize its value in your life and career, go ahead and sign up as a monthly patron and get cool perks like access to our membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups, discounts on merchandise, and much, much more. Just visit InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab.
1: And that is it for episode 203 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, dive into the deep end.